today I'm talking about baptism and salvation. I think this is one of the most misunderstood and mistaught issues in the churches. My goal is not just to give you a Protestant easy and simple answer. My teaching is deeper to understand why we're baptized in Christ. To be clear, we shall see that baptism is part of salvation. However, do not misunderstand me to think that you have to be water baptized to be saved. And so, here I start. Now, I am not going to talk about the mode of baptism mainly. That is, how do you baptize? Do you sprinkle? Do you dunk? Do you pour? Etc. I'm talking about the spiritual meaning of baptism. However, I will say something about the mode of baptism. And this is a quotation from the Didache, the teaching of the Twelve Apostles. Whether this is the actual writings of the Apostles, it could be, or it was written by those who knew the Apostles, we know that this is true because the Epistle of Barnabas is very close to the Didache and almost word perfect with it. And he was one of the 70 and knew the Apostles. So we do know that the Didache is at least written down by those who knew the Apostles. At least part of it. But here's what they say in baptism. This is not the scripture. But nevertheless, it is... An important understanding of how they viewed baptism back in the day of the apostles. If it was not corrupted. Here's what Adidike says. Baptize in this way. Having instructed him in all these teachings. Baptize the catechumen. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. In running water. Then baptize. And if you don't have running water. Then baptize in other water. And if you cannot in cold water. Use warm water. But if you have neither. Then pour water on the head three times. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Now. The tradition from the apostles was if 
possible, the best way is to baptize in a river, just like Jesus was baptized in. If you can't do it in a river, not a big deal. Um, just do it in um, other water, which would probably be a pool or any other type of water you could submerge someone in. And if you can't submerge, and they'd rather have you use cold water. But if you don't have cold water, use warm water. Um, and if you can't do any of those, then pour water on the head. I know of Chinese Christians that have been saved in jail, where of course they cannot get baptized because there is no water. But the water they receive daily, for their portion, they pour on their head. So the mode is not necessary for salvation and not as important. According to the this Didache. But anyways, we are not talking about the mode mainly in this recording. Let's move on to the spiritual meaning. Is baptism necessary for salvation? And here I will talk about the spiritual meaning of baptism. And of course by of course by baptism you probably figured out I'm talking about water baptism. <clears throat> Now, we have two pictures in the Old Testament of baptism. The first one is Noah's flood, and the second one is from the Red Sea. Peter talks about Noah's flood being a type of baptism, and Paul talks about the Red Sea being a type of baptism. Let's take Noah's story first. Noah's story is a true account of an actual historical fact. The world became so corrupt and so wicked that God had to destroy it. And if God had to destroy it, that means that the majority of the world was not going to repent. There's nothing else God could do. So God tells Noah to build an ark because God will send a flood. And that will baptize or submerge the entire world. Even the high mountains. Now Noah of course and his family of eight get in the ark. The rain comes. The entire world is destroyed by God's judgment of water. And then Noah and his family being safe in the ark enters into the new world, new to them, that has been cleansed of all wickedness. Now there's two main divisions I want to make in Noah's story, and that will be also true of the Red Sea. There is a saving of Noah's family in the ark. By being the ark, Noah's family is being saved from the wicked, evil world that will want to kill them and corrupt them. But there's a second saving, and that is the flood, the water. Noah also needs to be saved from the people and the flood, the evil people. 
The Ark does not save Noah's family directly from the evil world. They could have entered the Ark and stayed in that Ark all day long and all night long. The evil world were, would have eventually destroyed the Ark and or corrupted the family. So the Ark protects them from the water. It is a water that protects them and destroys the evil wicked man. However, if the water would destroy all the wicked people, we have a problem because Noah needs to be saved from the water. So of course, Noah builds an ark. He enters into the ark to save him from the water and the water destroys the wicked world, saving their family from the world. And so it was necessary to be in the ark through baptism to be saved. Now let's look at the Red Sea. God so tells the story, as the Israelites have always dealt with the Egyptians, time and time again, for 400 years. <clears throat> and uh, as Israel is freed from Egypt... They wander in the wilderness, and the Egyptians start to come after them, thinking this was a mistake to let the people go. God led them to a place where, where there was a Red Sea behind them, and the natural barriers around them um, made it so that when an Egyptian army came up against the Israelites, they were basically surrounded. There's water behind them and the enemy in front of them they had no other choice they were trapped God did this purposely God used Moses to part the Red Sea that's a miracle that's an actual true historical fact that we have records of ancient um, groups who migrate in the desert actually witnesses Interesting, ancient records actually witnessed it. People in the desert lands that lived in the desert saw this. Interesting. So, the Israelites had two choices. Either you stay there and be slaughtered by the Egyptian army, or you go through the Red Sea and follow Moses. And so, now Paul would say they were baptized into Moses, into the Red Sea. We find that Moses led them through the Red Sea to the other side. So they followed Moses. They went through the Red Sea. When the Egyptians tried to go through the Red Sea, they were destroyed. And the Israelites never had to deal with the Egyptians ever again in practicality. And so it was through baptism of the Red Sea that finally destroyed the Egyptians. Now we're going to see a pattern. We see first of all that Noah was saved by entering in the ark. And it's a water that destroyed the wicked world. We're going to find that Israelites were saved by following Moses to the Red Sea. And it's that water that destroyed the Egyptians. So we find that the water is God's judgment on the world. But the salvation of you 
is by following Moses or entering into the ark. Now the ark, therefore, is a type of Christ, and Moses is also a type of Christ. In other words, it's by following Christ through baptism, by entering into Christ, and going through baptism that we're saved. Now I will explain this so it's not too hard to understand. We will go back to the garden. We have a problem that arises. Adam decides, and Eve, to eat this fruit of knowledge of good and evil. This fruit causes them to start dying till they die one day. <clears throat> God has to force them out of the garden and guard the way to tree of life. Because if they ate a tree of life, the Lord said that they would live forever. Now what's wrong with living forever? Well, if you have a sinner nature and you live forever, that means you're forever going to be entangled and in this body that's prone to sin. In other words, this sinful nature one day I'm looking forward to getting rid of is not possible if Adam ate tree life because Adam will live forever and had eternity to deal with the passions of his flesh. God would not let man be in that type of misery. <clears throat> so, now we have another problem. If Adam wanted to have eternal life but cannot do so because he lives forever in his body of sinful passions and flesh. And if Adam dies, he can't receive eternal life. Yet, he wants to be freed from his, his uh, sinful flesh. And so how do you... And so if you can't let yourself live forever, then you have to die. And if you don't want to die have to eat the tree of life. But if you eat the tree of life, you'll have to live forever in that sinful flesh. Now mankind has created a problem. God simply says and says he must die. But how then do you receive eternal life? So we have a problem. But thankfully, God gave us the answer through Christ Jesus. We find in Romans chapter 6 that we as human beings in, in Romans have a sinner nature. We need to get rid of that sinner nature. And God says the only remedy is death. But if I must die, how do I have eternal life? Here's the answer. Enter into Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He does not say he'll give you resurrection. He is life. He'll give you life. But he himself is a resurrection and life. The resurrection and life is not a, what he gives you apart from himself. But he himself is that resurrection and life. So when you enter into Christ's death, you died with Christ. You destroyed the evil, wicked, sinner nature on the cross. You died. Your old man died on the cross. You're buried. But because you're in Christ Jesus... Since Jesus also was raised from dead, you also are raised from dead. 
But there's a difference now. What you died in was your old body. But when Christ was raised from dead, you left your old body and you created a new person. So that, just like Noah, who when he entered the ark, the whole world died. Yet he came out alive to a clean world. So, the Egyptians that always harassed the Israelites, they went through the baptism Red Sea following Moses. And because they followed Moses, they made out to the other side, but no longer had to deal with the Egyptians. Noah was saved in the ark, which is, which is representative of Christ. So we too are in Christ, which saves us from death, because he will raise us from the dead. But we had to die, just like the world had to die, under flood, under water baptism. So that the world, evil world would be get rid of, but we would be saved being in Christ. Therefore, we were baptized into Christ Jesus and into his death, it says. So we received the baptism. That baptism, remember, destroys the wicked world, destroys the Egyptians, destroys my wicked, evil, sinful nature. But because I'm a Christ, I don't die in the baptism. I'm raised again in Christ Jesus. So therefore, God deals with the problem of mankind. Man has no way out of death. And man must be judged because of sinful nature. But because I'm baptized in Christ Jesus, God can not only deal with my sinful nature, but give me eternal life. And Adam could not do so, because eternal life meant he had to live forever in his sinful nature. But in Christ Jesus, it means I can die to my sinful nature and live forever. Thank God. So, this is the spiritual meaning of baptism. Now, my final word is this. Some... And many people think Romans chapter 6 is talking about water baptism. Therefore, if you're baptized in water, therefore you are saved. However, scripture never says that. If Romans chapter 6 is talking about water baptism, then what is water baptism? You will say, well, water baptism is Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is spiritual truth. It talks nothing about water. It's talking about spiritual truth. Therefore, water baptism is a picture of Romans chapter 6. When you have faith in Christ Jesus, you are baptized into his death and raised again in him. In other words, when you have faith alone in Christ, you are already baptized and raised again. You merely get water baptized after the fact to give you a picture of what happened. It, of course, is important because we're, we're commanded to be water baptized. But if you were to die, having received Christ Jesus, and was not yet water baptized, you would already go to heaven. Because the spiritual truth is true of you before you get water baptized. Water baptized is a type of salvation, but uh, it, baptism is necessary for salvation. But the spiritual baptism is what's necessary for salvation. But that is through faith alone. So therefore my dear brothers and sisters. I hope this clears up some issues. And makes you think about water baptism. And true baptism. And baptism and salvation. And understanding those things. May God bless you. And may the Holy Spirit. Um, through Jesus Christ. Um, having faith in Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit speak to you. And correct you. And talk to you about these things. This is Austin Michaels. Um, God bless you.